Hello there. It's your weekly horoscope columnist, Christopher Rundstrom, and I'm delighted to announce that my much-anticipated course with Astrology Hub, The Cosmic Calendar, is now open for enrollment. The Cosmic Calendar is designed to teach you how to turn your birth chart into a personal calendar, one that's uniquely aligned to your natural flow and personal seasons. You'll be able to look at the year ahead and know exactly how to plan your life. Whether you're looking to launch a business, dive back into the dating pool, or finally get around to writing that book you said you'd get around to writing one day, the Cosmic Calendar will help you to identify the best times of year to pursue your dreams. So, if you want to join me for the Cosmic Calendar, you can enroll today by going to astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. That's astrologyhub.com slash cosmic calendar. It begins on March 3rd. I am so looking forward to seeing you there. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of The Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about the upcoming Mars-Neptune sextile, followed by a Venus Neptune sextile on February 23rd and February 24th, respectively. Grudges lose their shape and vendettas their fury when you have these sorts of sextiles between Mars and Venus to the planet Neptune in the sky. This is a good and fortunate thing, especially given the current cosmic climate. Right now we have Mars, named after the Roman god of war, exalted in the zodiac sign of Capricorn, meaning most strong and most celebrated. And we also have Venus in the zodiac sign of Capricorn as well. Venus, by dignity, doesn't really do much one way or the other when she's in Capricorn. However, Venus right now is rising as a morning star. You can see her just before sunrise every morning. And Venus rising as a morning star had a bit of a notorious reputation, particularly in uh, Mesopotamia and more specifically in Mesoamerica. In Mesoamerica, Venus as a morning star was seen as bringing a harbinger of war and catastrophe. So the planets aren't exactly broadcasting the most positive messages from upstairs. This is why we're embracing the fact that both Mars and Venus in these particular positions are forming a sextile to the planet Neptune in Pisces. Anytime that we have a trine and more particularly a sextile uh, involving planets that could be uh, in a volatile or, or agitated state, what happens particularly with the sextile is that it turns down the heat of the situation um, and, and makes things more amenable if both parties are willing to be amenable or are willing to, uh, willing to take action towards some kind of uh, uh, peace treaty or, or, or truce. And so that's what's being suggested. Um, 
we don't get a lot of opportunities to make peace. We don't get a lot of opportunities to extend the olive branch. There are not a lot of opportunities when we're put into the right headspace or the right heart space, heart space to recognize uh, what the benefits of this might very well be. Uh, this is why these sorts of sextiles, particularly with the planet Neptune, are so very, very important. Um, my husband is the artistic director of a ballet company, and uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've been putting on uh, the ballet Romeo and Juliet, and I'm sure that you're all pretty familiar with the plot of Romeo and Juliet. It's about um, a, a boy and a girl from two warring families of Verona who fall in love, um, and you know, through one bad fumble or bumble or misunderstanding after the next, end up um, committing uh, mutual suicide to be joined together in their love in 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 heaven. Um, one of Shakespeare's lighter. Uh, stories, uh, not. But anyway, Romeo and Juliet has sort of remained in the minds of our culture as like, uh, really, it's about passion, it's about love. And um, if you can't have love in this world, you can certainly go and 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 have it in the next. And so that pretty much is is the focus of the play and, and of the ballet as well, of course. But sitting there watching the ballet and and ballets are wonderful because they're really paced according to the music and the choreography so you get a whole other and different story uh that 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 comes across with a ballet than you do with with spoken word whether it be in a, in a play or a film but sitting there watching the ballet um so many interesting themes that are very uh, relevant right now struck me. Um, you have Verona, which is which is this uh, city-state basically, uh, in which the two main governing forces in in this uh, part of Italy are are two warring families. You have the Montagues and the Capulets, and they are such uh, powerful families uh, that they. Uh, trump the government which is which is in control. They they trump uh, the Duke of, of of Verona. So in other words, they can go ahead and they can get into these sword fights and they can steal from one another and they can mock and agitate one another. And basically, they bring calamity to the streets. I mean, this is the sort of thing that got recast in West Side Story and even that uh, recent uh, version with uh, uh, Claire Danes and I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, where, where the families are really sort of portrayed as gangs. And what's so fascinating about this is that you see two absolute opposites, okay? Two absolute opposite gangs or two absolute opposite families. And all they can do is, is, is take the opposition with each other continually. You know, everything is interpreted as a slight. Everything is interpreted as you trespassed on my territory. Everything um, is, is responded to with violence and with, 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 with swords. And a number of people who have nothing to do with the families die um, um, in, 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 in the course, course of the play, in the course of these families exacting their violence on each other. This, this remarkable remarkable one-upmanship that takes place. And I want you to sort of reflect on, on that idea that I initially introduced, that grudges lose their shape and vendettas lose their 
vigor um, when when the when Mars sextiles Neptune and when Venus uh, sextiles Neptune as well. Um, one might think, okay, you're involving Neptune, so this is about forgiveness and and it's about peace and and you know that should be the order of the day. We should just be forgiving and 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 make peace. Well, as I'd like to say um, in in our series of podcasts, there are going to be 12 different ways of making peace. There are going to be 12 different ways of forgiving. In other words, you're going to have 12 very different contexts in which these things can take place because you have 12 signs of the zodiac. So there isn't really one way of making peace. There isn't really one way of forgiving. Uh, These things have to take place according to the planets and their dispositions and where they appear in the uh, zodiac chart, which which introduces a lot of nuance to this kind of idea. Now, when we're looking, for instance, at Mars and Venus in Capricorn, uh, we're dealing with two planets that are slow. Capricorn is regarded as a slow uh, zodiac sign. It's not speedy, it's not quick, it's not razor sharp or anything along those lines. It's it's slow. Like if you look at the goats climbing up the mountains, I mean, they can do some hopping along and skipping, but then there's a point in which they're scaling the sheer uh, face of the mountain and that's very slow going. They're picking their way very carefully. So, so this kind of idea of moving towards uh, a sort of grudges losing their shape or vendettas, their their verve, their force is going to be very slow going under Capricorn. And there's also going to be another quality as well uh, because of the positions of Mars and Venus and Capricorn. There's going to be the quality of skepticism. Um, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, and so it is a very skeptical sort of sign. It could even be said to be uh, cynical in a way. So it's like, really, we're going to make peace really, we're going to both agree to settle this grudge. I don't think so, or I don't really believe it. So this is the kind of energy that's 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 coming up right now. So we kind of have this, uh, this, this ongoing, um, you know, uh, uh, I had the word for it a moment, I'm, I think I'll do it in mine, we have this one ongoing up one upmanship, okay, we have this ongoing one upmanship that's taking place, particularly uh, when when Mars is involved in in this placement. And and so uh, how are these energies going to be sold on like the Montagues and the Capulets laying down their swords and making peace? As you know from the play, that doesn't go well. Um, in, in fact, any sort of overture to, to peace brings even more disaster. Uh, it's Romeo after he's married Juliet, who who uh, says uh, who intervenes between Tybalt and Mercutio and says, "Don't make war anymore. Don't don't fight anymore. You know, love is the answer." And it's in that moment when Mercutio, you know, is 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 like. WTF with with Romeo, like, what are you talking about? And Romeo physically, you know, keeps Mercutio from from dueling with Tybalt, that Tybalt takes that opportunity to mortally kill, um, mortally slay Mercutio, which of course moves everything on up. Tybalt is killed in turn and and, and it's a runaway uh, snowball effect. So Shakespeare actually really has um, a very dour (laughs) view of love thy 
enemy. Um, because if you look at Romeo and Juliet in the text and the drama of love of, of Romeo and Juliet, love thy enemy, it does not turn out well. <laughs> it leads to more and more uh, disaster and more and more and more uh, bloodshed. So, so where is this going to stop? How is this going to end? Um, we look to Neptune and Pisces, and, and we see, you know, a lot of Neptune and Pisces is the promise of forgiveness, of dissolving boundaries, of, you know, softening the chips on the shoulder and maybe even lifting them off and taking them away. And, and this is a lot of times the way that people will look at Pisces. They'll see Pisces as, as the zodiac sign of unconditional love and, and peace and love and, 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 and very spiritual, very soulful, you know, and, and this sounds like a wonderful thing. Um, but what people aren't, and those things are true, by the way, those things are true in Pisces, but, but Pisces has a whole gamut of what it's going to represent. And we have to remember that Pisces is the last sign of the 12 signs of the zodiac. Um, and so Pisces carries with it, within its um, uh, symbolism, all right, within its archetypes, uh, it carries within it um, the apocalypse, okay, the, the end of all things. Um, and, and that's even written very early in the book of Genesis and the Bible, you know, what's the disaster that wipes out the planet, but the flood, okay, um, and, it, and it's the story of Noah's Ark, um, you know, that God gets to a point where he's so upset and frustrated with his creation uh, that he floods the world, you know, it's really kind of like, you know, it's the ultimate, like, you know, delete or something like this, he, he floods the world, he wipes out the world, uh, but but he favors Noah and his family, and so they survive. Um, and they survive to sort of basically repeat the same pattern over again. We see the same thing in, um, in Wagner's Ring Cycle, you know, that, that no matter how many times you refresh your browser or you recreate the world after the apocalypse, things inevitably go wrong. You know, they, they can't help, but, you know, anything new is going to end up becoming uh, soiled and, and dirty and, and broken down as long as it lives on this planet. Okay, so, so, so this idea of an apocalypse. And we have to remember that in the ancient world, um, apocalypses were a dime a dozen. I mean, we're all familiar with St. John and the apocalypse and things like that, but actually Gnostic Gospels, other forms of literature, apocalypses are a dime a dozen, okay? Everyone's writing an apocalypse. And that's because apocalypses in the ancient world, uh, apocalypses in the ancient world were the, were the fantasies of slaves, okay? They were the fantasies of oppressed people. You know, in the apocalypse, um, the right God is going to show up. Um, the right God is going to vanquish all the people. Um, the right God is going to, you know, throw over the rich and, and throw them into the belching pits of hell or, or make them uh, suffer horrible torments. And, and, and the God will come and raise the uh, poor and raise the oppressed and put them, you know, on, on thrones and, and make them revered. You know, the meek shall inherit the earth, that kind of an idea. Um, this is very much bound up in Pisces, okay? And, and you can see it in the Piscean temperament. <laughs> okay, some of you are like, really? Uh, but you can see it in the Piscean temperament in terms of, you know, if you've ever seen a Pisces get angry, you know? I mean, uh, uh, Pisces is ruled by uh, Jupiter and the modern ruler is Neptune. These are two storm gods from Greek mythology. So Pisceans get angry, get angry in a very thunderous hurricane winds, you know, sort of way, you know, and, and they will bring out the 
ultimatums. They will rain down the curses. They will, you know, it's it's a fury when you really watch a Pisces lose it, you know, um, and and it, and it's wipe everything out and and begin again from the beginning. You know, this is, you know, if, if Pisces has reached a point where they've had it or they're walking out of a relationship or a job, they'll they'll take everything out with it, you know, complete wipe out and and start anew, start afresh, you know, perhaps somewhere somewhere else. And so what we see, um, you know, in the story of this of this Romeo and Juliet, yes, it is connected. Uh, what we see in the story of Romeo and Juliet, the only thing that really sort of stops the families in their track, um, obviously, it's it's the twin suicides of Romeo from the Montagues and Juliet from the Capulets, and and their bodies being discovered in in a tomb as a result of a hair-brained scheme by Friar uh, Lawrence. But anyway, um, you know, uh, well, the thing that really sort of wakes up the families to this is that um, their own heirs have been destroyed, okay? Their own future has been destroyed. Juliet, who is the heir to the house of the Capulets, and Romeo, who is heir to the house of, of, of the Montagues, are both dead. And so the family line ends there, okay? And this is the thing that gets them to wake up. This is the thing that gets them to realize that, you know, if you pursue a vendetta blindly, if you pursue a vendetta, you know, with, with undeterred, you know, making no concessions, making, making no willingness to understand, you will wind up annihilated. I mean, that's basically the message of the play and 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 it's a message in life that nothing it's more than nothing good comes of it and don't be a vengeful sort of person it's you will wind up wiping out yourself and those and 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 the other party and so in astrology you know the planets and their courses are always changing their relationship with one another much like the ball scene in Romeo and Juliet you know they're they're changing their partners and 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 their their choreography with one another and so this week we have an opportunity this week we have an opportunity to uh, make peaceful overtures. We have an opportunity because the sextile will, will put you in a headspace or a heart space where you may be able to look at someone else's point of view. Um, you know, someone that you're warring with. Uh, you might be able to see their point of view or, or appreciate their story or appreciate what they've gone through. Or because we have uh, Capricorn being uh, 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 Capricorn being channeled here as a cosmic energy, you may actually uh, simply recognize the practicality of bringing um, a feud to an end, uh, that it's been very expensive, that um, it's expensive for the other side and it's expensive for, for you. And maybe it's about cutting your losses or allowing the other side to save face or finding a way out. And this is what sextiles do. The planets don't command us, you know, to do these things. The planets kind of like open up windows on these possibilities. Sometimes they bar the door, you know, there's a no exit. I mean, you can have a hard aspect with the planets and there's a no exit. Um, and sometimes like with sextiles, which is what makes them so lovely, is that they open, they, they open windows and they open up possibilities. So that's something uh, to keep in mind when you're looking at that um, agency, which is being so unforgiving with you or, or being so oppressive, or if you're looking at that person 
person that you're feuding with, or if you're looking at that, you know, lawsuit like Bleak House, which has gone on from generation to generation to generation, you know, the sextile says you always have an opportunity to extend the olive branch. Now, there are times when you can extend the olive branch and it gets slapped down. That's why we love sextiles. Your, your, your case is being heard. The other party is, is listening, you know, and then you have to sort of readjust your eyes so that you can recognize, readjust your eyes and readjust your ears so that you can recognize where the other party is softening or how, or, or if the party has approached you, how you might uh, soften and how you might rethink where you are. Um, and so what's beautiful about this, particularly because it involves Neptune, is that it allows you to step out of, you know, well, they did this and they did that and they did that. You know, that's what grudges are. They're scorecards, right? It's like they did this and they did that or whatever. Not until I see this, whatever, will I ever, you know, it allows Neptune softens that. It allows you to step outside of that and be like, you know what, well, we could just do this scorecard thing forever and a day, or we can, you know, take advantage of this energy and try to make some kind of peace, come to some kind of understanding. It can be very intimidating um, and it can be very overwhelming um, when you look at our world at times, you know, and, and, and especially nowadays, Mars is exalted and, and, and Capricorn and Venus rising as a morning star. And you can sort of feel defeated or you can sort of feel like this is an exercise in futility, you know, trying to bring some sort of peace to these warring houses of Montagues and Capulets, wherever they may appear in your life, whether it's USA and Russia or whether it's, you know, two factions on the uh, board of directors or, 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 or in the neighborhood, you know, it, it just may seem like an exercise in futility. How do you, you know, preach peace, you know, on a global level. I mean, you know, when the din is so loud and, and, and deafening. And what, what you sort of realize in, in a situation like this is that it's important, especially, you know, with Saturn in, in Aquarius right now, it's, it's important that we don't retreat to our own separate corners. Um, it's important that we don't retreat to our own separate corners in this world and just sort of shut her away or shut off what's going on. What's important is that we realize that it's from our own little corners that the ripple effect of our good deeds and actions, although they may start out humble and small, but it's from our own little corners that the ripple effects of our own good deeds and actions spread beyond our community and out into the world and affect the lives of those we know and affect the lives of those whom we may never meet. Your weekly horoscope is brought to you by Astrology Hub. If you'd like more extended personalized guidance from Christopher by Sunsign and Rising, make sure you subscribe to receive the free weekly horoscope delivered via email to your inbox each Sunday. Just go to astrologyhub.com horoscope and start receiving even more free personalized guidance today. That's astrologyhub.com horoscope. And if you love what we do and would like to support our work, please subscribe to the podcast, give us some stars, 
And if you feel inclined, leave us a review. It does so much to help us get quality astrology out to the world, and we're grateful for all the time that you take to do this. Thank you for listening in today, and as always, thank you for making astrology a part of your life.